Well, hello everyone. Carrie Beck here with How to Homeschool My Child and Homeschool Coffee Break, where we want to give you ideas where you can gain confidence, stop the overwhelm, and take a coffee break. For those of you that are on my email list, if you notice, we had a big birthday party, a two-year-old birthday party, and um, this does relate. Um, oh, um, and my two-year-old grandson, who just turned two, he actually, um, you know, he sees me and he's saying Gigi and all this stuff, but he, um, turn all those alarms off. He actually, I found out when I'm not around and he's just with his mom and he sees a coffee cup, he points to it and says, Gigi, Gigi, Gigi. I thought, oh, I guess he knows I like some coffee. So um, anyway, I thought that was sort of funny. Today, what we're really talking about is homeschooling multiple kids without going crazy. And I will tell you that we actually, this was probably a good week for me to do this because I got there Friday and left yesterday evening uh, for a two-year-old and a four-year-old. and. Uh, we had some meltdowns, some attitude issues. We had problems with sharing. In fact, Sunday morning, um, my son-in-law was cooking eggs and they were waiting for them at the table. And so I gave my son, Hunter, the little sharing book and he read that to uh, the four-year-old to encourage sharing. So all that to say is, you know, when you have more than one person living in a house, we've got character issues. We've got lots going on. So what I want to do today is maybe give you some ideas to not have everyone doing something different and where they're fine for your time because that's what happens. Let's talk about some ways that we could overcome that and actually be able to homeschool multiple kids without going crazy. Um, and if you are listening to the recording, hit subscribe wherever you are, front little subscribe button somewhere, just so you can let other people know what we're talking about. And we want to get this information out to as many people as possible. So that would be a great thing for you to do as well. So here's what I see as the problem, not just the attitude, but that just sort of mm, complicates things. Let's just say you have three children and they each have seven subjects every day. That is 21 lesson preps for every single day. That is 105 lesson plans in a week. And get this, 3,780 lesson plans in a whole year. No wonder people go, oh, I can't do that. Well, there are ways that we could fix this problem and we could do some things differently. That is a lot of preparation, and that's a lot to have to do if you've got multiple kids, and that's only three. Some of y'all have five, ten kids as well. So here's a question I would ask, and you're welcome to leave something in the chat or the comments wherever you're watching this, or if you're listening to the replay, let me know what you think as well. But um, who is to say what your kids should be learning right now? Think about that. Who really should be saying what they are learning as well. Um, there we go, get that taken off. Um, another thing, who made up that checklist in your head anyway? I know, I was a public school teacher. I wrote lesson plans. I can write, I can read those curriculums up ways, down ways, backwards, forwards, every way. And I can, I can write lesson plans like this. But what I learned in homeschooling is that was not necessarily helping my kids. That was not truly educating. Now, I still wrote a weekly lesson plan, but I did not have 
seven lesson plans for each of my kids every day. That would have driven me crazy. All right. So think about it. Who is making up that checklist in your head? It is not the school district. I'm going to encourage you, hop off the conveyor belt, the conveyor belt of the traditional education, following everything that they are telling you. Quit worrying about that checklist and listen to God. He gave you your kids. He didn't give your next door neighbor your kids. He gave you your kids. You know them better than anyone else. You decide how to homeschool and how to raise your kids. And I think that's really important. That would be one thing that I would strongly encourage you to do. I am a person of faith. If you aren't, you can go find your own ways. But I truly believe I have wished I had spent more time praying about what we were going to do and going to God and listening. Too often I'm like this to God. And he's probably like, Carrie, when are you going to be quiet? I got something to tell you, but I'm waiting until you're quiet. Um, and so we do need to pray and then we need to pay attention. He puts thoughts in your head. And if a thought comes in your head, go write it down in a journal or in a little notebook or something so that you can remember it. And then when you're actually making your plans, you can look at that and say, well, here's what I believe God was actually saying to me. So as we listen to God, there are some ways that we can actually simplify our homeschool. True simplify our homeschool and hello alicia over in uh, facebook and kara and ja thank y'all for being here i'm gonna go through three things that we did to simplify our homeschool the first one is grouping subjects together so um for bible my kids did awanas they did their own awanas individually because they were all at different places but if we did any kind of bible bible devotions bible study we did all together we weren't all three doing three different Bible lessons. History, history, we always studied together. Now, I would read a book aloud in history so that we were all covering whatever it was, but they would each read a book individually at their own reading level. And this simplified things. I didn't have one kid in American history and one in the Middle Ages, and then one way back at the beginning of time in uh, antiquities. I, we were always in the same time period. And that way, too, when we did projects or we went on field trips, everyone was sort of studying and had the same thoughts about what we were learning. Science. Until high school, we always did science together. And if my son was in third grade and the others were in fifth and seventh grade, they would learn on a fifth and seventh grade level. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you go get picture books, and I've got a stack of Apple books and pumpkin books sitting over there because I'm upgrading, I'm updating my Apple and pumpkin unit study. But um, you can get some of those picture books that have some good science in it. It is more than just this is an apple and this is a leaf and this is a tree and it comes from a seed. It will tell you a lot more about what's going on. It may even talk about pollination and things like that. So don't poop off the, the little picture books as well. Now, obviously, some of them are very simple, but there's some really good children science books that teach real science. Literature. That would be another thing we would be studying. We often tied our literature into our history and we would study sort of that literature. I have sort of history was sort of the overall thing. And we in history, we could study our Bible, especially Old Testament and New Testament times. We could study the science of that time period. We could study the literature, the music, the art. We could do all of it just based on that 
time period. And that was one way I simplified music and art appreciation. We we did that all together. We weren't separating and having people do different books, even art. We would do an art project and pretty much they would we would all work on pen and ink together or watercolor or whatever we were working on. So group as many subjects together as you can. Number one. Number two, family morning time. I normally can't believe I forgot to bring some props. Family morning time. This is what it consisted of. We had one hour that we started our day. I called it family morning time. Some people call it morning basket time. Some people call it morning time, uh, group time, whatever you want to call it. It's a chance for you to be all together. We did this all the way through high school. So we didn't stop when they got older. I can still remember Gentry being a senior and Hunter being a freshman. Ashley was in college and reading on my bed. Um, I want to say Gulliver's Travels or something like that, Robinson Crusoe, I don't know which one. We were reading that all together because in that hour, the last half of the hour was always read aloud because I wanted to make sure we got it done. I did not want to be tired in the afternoon. I just asked my grandkids, if I read to them after lunch, I start yawning and they're like, Gigi, you need to go take a nap. I'm like, yes, I do. Um, so actually when I was with them for four days, a few weeks ago, uh, the first day I started falling asleep after lunch, reading to them. I said, tomorrow we're going to read Betsy and Tacey in the morning because I'm a lot more alert in the morning. So we did. That's what we did in the morning. Okay. So one hour. Last half is read aloud, whatever you want to do for that. And then the first half varied. When they were young, they everyone took a turn and would read a poem out loud just to get them in the practice and to get them used to poem. It was usually a funny Shel Silverstein poem. Then I would also read a poem, but it was usually a little more serious. And just depending on the day, we might discuss it, we might not. So we would do poetry. This was our time to do art or music appreciation. Um, we did classical kids, and I can put the links to some of these when I'm finished. Um, I'll put them in Facebook, and then we will put them, since we post this to YouTube and the podcast, wherever you're listening to, it should have all the links that I'm sharing. So you can go get those, even if you're not a Facebook fan. Okay, so um, we would do classical kids. I just, back in the days, the cassette it's right on the other side of this wall. We'd pop that in and the kids would listen to a story. It was a story about a composer with um, a fictional person, a child, and then they would hear that music as they listened to it. Art appreciation, very simple art books. I'm going to do something I shouldn't do, but I'm going to go grab an art book just so you can see how simple this is. This series that's discontinued, but you might be able to get it at the library, is Art for Children. There's another series that isn't discontinued. I'll put the link to this. This is Raphael. So what I, what will we do if we were going through here? We just open to the first page and read this and maybe talk about this painting and ask them some questions. And that was it. And then the or and maybe do the second painting down here. Then we would go to the next page. I wouldn't necessarily read all of that to him. I may, depending on their age, but that's just a little background about him. But then we would come here and I would read this. We talk about these sketches. We talk about this painting and relate it to whatever was right there. That is how simple art appreciation is. You don't need a workbook. You don't need a bunch of multiple choice tests. Get a good book with for kids with art appreciation. We might 
we would sing hymns. I would sing one hymn at least every day for a week, sometimes every day for a month. We did not sing hymns in my church. I wanted my kids to be able to do this. And then we would do the read aloud. We would do Bible study. If they were working on a Bible study and we had, um, we would meet once a week, we talked about what they were learning. I would do it during that time. Did I do every single one of these things every single day? No. I can tell you when they were in elementary school, they did read a poem every day, uh, first thing, and we would sing a hymn every single day, and we would read aloud the last half. The rest of it, it just depended, and if we were running short on time, maybe we just did the poetry and the hymn, and then we went straight into read aloud, but most of the time, I might pull in some art appreciation, music, Bible study, whatever it is that we needed to do. That was our family morning time. We did it all together and they were learning, they were being educated. And you, again, that's just one lesson plan for you to deal with. So we have grouping our subjects together, family morning time. The last one is unit studies. I am not a person who could do unit studies every single day of the year, every all the time. That was just not me. But I do believe we had different times that we would study units. We would do sort of hybrid units just with our history and then throw some projects in. Studies show that kids using unit studies retain 45% more than the traditional approaches of education. So if you're just doing the regular old public school, private school education, and you change to unit studies, they will probably retain 45%. Why? Because they are learning in many different ways. They're going to read learn visually, they're going to hear, they're going to listen and learn auditorially, and then they're going to do projects and that kinesthetic learning. There's all different types of ways you can do this. So what do you, you're probably thinking, okay, well, I'm not so sure. You can actually, well, I will tell you, I have a unit study toolkit. That is not why I got on. I just sort of thought I would throw that in there. It shows you exactly how to create a unit study, but I'm going to make one right now for you. So let's pretend that you are going to start in September, studying the Middle Ages. Your older kids might read Dante's Divine Comedy. This is a teenager book. While your younger kids might be reading Door in the Wall. And then you might read one of Howard Powell's books, Otto of the Silver Hand, Adventures of Robin Hood, uh, King Arthur and the Round Table of Knights or whatever, and read that aloud together as a family. I will tell you that my son Hunter did not like reading, did not like reading aloud, but he liked Howard Pyle books. If you have a boy that does not like reading or being read to, that might be one that you could try because I was always on the lookout of what he would enjoy. So what am I saying? I'm saying each child reads a book at their level. And then as a family, we read together the book that I'm choosing. So then from there, you're going to add activities you can do as a family. Um, and some of it will be done individually. For instance, writing. Let's pretend that we're going to make a Middle Ages newspaper and we're going to have the lifestyle and the sports and the whatever, the current news. Each child could take one of those and that can be their writing assignment for a week or two. You could actually go get newsprint if you have a newspaper um, company in your town go get it and you can actually make a newspaper that looks like it came from there. Another writing assignment is each child can write one paragraph about life in the Middle Ages. 
for science. You could study the printing press and how it works and actually make some forms where you actually put the letters down and print it out. Or if you don't want to do that, even just using stamps and putting it on ink would give them the idea of somewhat of the printing press. For science, you could make soap, candles, stained glass. Another one my kids love is making a trebuchet and then shooting their little objects. For music, again, I mentioned this earlier, we listened to the classical kids series and we Vivaldi and Mozart and Bach and Beethoven. I don't even remember all of them. For copy work, again, going back to grammar um, and writing, you could have your kids copy a section of their reading or the read aloud, either one. You could have dictation for your middle age kids and let them dictate sentences that they have heard in their um, in the book that they're reading. For fun, you could play games that they played in the middle ages. So this involves all different types of activities and types of learning. You can see now why we grouped our subjects together. In here, we talked, oh, and art, you could go look at Oh my goodness, you could just look here at Raphael. He's over there in the Middle Ages. Let's see. Um, and so any of these can be ones that you can, um, in 1483, right there in the Middle Ages. So you could do something simple like that. And then that way, everyone's learning the same time period and they're learning it at their level. But there are things that you can do all together as a family just during that family morning time as well. That would be a history unit study. And that was one way we tied many subjects together. The other thing you could do as far as Bible is just look at what is going on in church history and then see what the conflict is maybe because we're getting close to the Reformation. How is this building up to having a, a universal, a Catholic church and then a split off? You could tie that in and then find out which of which parts of these you believe are truth from the Bible. So there's a lot of things that you could do as well. Um, oh, thank you for the little clap, Alicia. Um, so three things that you can do to homeschool your kids together without going crazy. And yes, I know sometimes we feel like things are going crazy. Group your subjects together. Do some sort of family morning time. You choose what's included there. I highly recommend that you include at least 30 minutes of that read aloud. And, and if you think your kids are too young, I have that four-year-old granddaughter. Now, I don't know that she could sit for 30 minutes, although we may have done that. But I brought the book that I had read the six and eight-year-old, so we'd all be at the same place when we get together for family vacation in October. It's Betsy and Tasty and Tip. She sat there and listened to a chapter that probably took me at least 10 or 15 minutes, and there was not a picture on every page. So don't assume that just because they're young, they can't listen to some sort of chapter book. Now, could she, she listen to um, Dante's Divine Comedy? Probably not. I don't even know that the second grader could do that. So, um, so we've got group your subjects together, family time, and unit studies. Anyone that's here, whether you're listening to the recording or not, is there anything else that you do to be able to homeschool your kids together? Or do you have any questions? I will be checking back to see if we have any questions, but I'd love to just address any of them right now before we close. We've got a couple, some people over here at Facebook, um, and then we've got people here in Zoom. So... Um, any questions, any comments, any other ideas, I will put the resources that I've mentioned um, 
in wherever you're watching this, the recording or the live, if you're on um, Zoom, when I send out the YouTube or the podcast, just look there and you'll be able to find that one as well and get all the links to the things that I've recommended. So thank y'all before you leave. Next week, we're starting a five-week series. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It is money and business. I love business because I believe business... Good business people serve their audience before they're starting to sell and make money. We're always looking for ways to serve. So, and I think that's what we need to do with our money. We're going to talk a little bit about money. We're going to talk about finances. Some moms need to be able to just get themselves straight on that. And then we're going to talk about business. Many of you want to make a little extra money at home. And so we're going to talk about different ideas and where you can be as well. I see a question just a second um, or a comment. Good, Deborah. Um, so I, we're going to go through the whole series. This week, I will be coming up with the five lessons, the five weekly ones. I haven't nailed down exactly what we're doing every single time. So that is what we're doing. And um, we will be here in Zoom and on Facebook. Before I leave, Deborah has an excellent point. Let the older help teach the younger. This is actually something that I teach when I'm talking to moms of high schoolers. Deborah, thank you so much for reminding us that. Because if you have multiple kids, you can let your older kids teach, especially a unit study. It may not be as involved as the middle ages one, but let's just say um, your little kids want to have their own garden. Your older kids could this could plan a unit study on gardening and they would have to learn all the stuff about it and photosynthesis and all that kind of stuff because when you're the leader you've got to be able to explain it to the younger ones and then pick the different activities that you can also your older ones can just sit and listen to your younger ones read when homeschool superheroes was happening i was taking care of the six and eight year old and um one thing I would have them do during the kickoffs is I would have the six. I was like, okay, y'all go get your books. They were upstairs. And I said, okay, six-year-old, I want you to read. I mean, I think she's reading those Bob books or whatever. I want you to read one or two of those to your big sister. And then big sister, I want you to read a chapter to your little sister. So in some ways, it was working both ways. You could do that. I mean... I just made that up that day because the first day they were mostly on the TV and I was like, you're not going to be on the TV all the time. And so we did that. And then they had some fun little workbooks and things that they were working on. But that just think outside the box, get creative. It's not that hard. And if we get, it's, it's really good for your older kids because I believe we want our kids to lead well. And if they're always doing what someone tells them, they never are. But if they have the opportunity to teach a class, teach their siblings, teach Awanas, go to Sunday school and serve or wherever, they are going to have a different perspective. Um, Frank said, oh, yes, business. I'm moving and looking forward to starting a business soon. Frank, you need to pay attention. And I am going to be sending some sort of pre-information about business this week and about money. So y'all watch your emails because I have some free resources that you could go ahead and do. One is a quiz. Another one is a guide to getting started to be able to make money. And it's got four different ways that you can do that. So yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that. And I will probably go ahead, maybe I'll just go ahead and put it in these um, um, descriptions as well. Any other comments before we leave? 
And hello, Christina. Thank y'all for being here. I think that's it. Thank y'all so much. If you are at a place that you can leave a comment, thank you. Would you please leave a comment? Let me know what you're th do, thinking. If you're at a place that you can subscribe, please subscribe. And if you feel like it, it would be a it would be very much a blessing if you can leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Thank y'all so much. I'm Carrie Beck with Homeschool Coffee Break. We'll talk to you next time.